If you imagine a vending machine that's full of $100 bills and it's a limitless, doesn't ever run out, and it, and it costs $20 to use the machine and you get $100 every time, how many times, Ben, are you going to want to use that $20 bill? Pop quiz, hotshot. What's more valuable to a brand or business? Having a video so engaging that it goes viral or making a video that is so good at converting to sales that the return on ad spend makes spending big on more reach a no-brainer. This is episode 197 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day guys and welcome back to the podcast. This, as I said in the introduction there, is episode 197 and I'm excited that you've decided to join us again for another episode of the podcast. And as we are rounding out on episode 200, I want to extend again my invitation to you, the listener of the podcast, to join me for the celebration of episode 200. I want you to be a part of the show. And to do that, just go to engagevideomarketing.com slash join 200 and there you'll find a little button that you can click to record a short audio message so that I can include you as part of the show. It's as simple as that to be a part of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast and I can't wait to hear from you guys, the listeners of this show. Go to engagevideomarketing.com slash join 200. I'm sure we all recognize the power in humor when it comes to engaging people through video. But if you're like me, the idea of trying to be funny in a corporate video makes me cringe. As I know that although it's incredibly powerful, it's also incredibly hard to get right. But getting this balance between humor and sales right is exactly what my guest today has achieved and he's built his company off the back of it. My guest today is Joseph Wilkins, founder of funnysalesvideos.com and host of the podcast, how to make a video go viral. Joseph Wilkins founded Procreative Studios back in 2000, an agency that produced infomercials, TV commercials, and web sales videos. He directed thousands of videos for clients, including Google, LinkedIn, McDonald's, Goldman Sachs, Chevrolet, and Home Depot. As viewing habits shifted away from TV though, Joseph launched funnysalesvideos.com, where his team now creates attention-grabbing viral style sales videos that entertain viewers into action. With two decades experience, hundreds of millions of broadcast and online views, and over $50 million in tracked sales attributed to his content, Joseph clearly knows the secret to funny sales videos. And so I wanted to bring him on the show for you today. Are you ready to dive in? I am, so let's do this. Hey Joseph, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Good to be here. I think it's awesome to have you here because I I was just saying before we hit record actually that some of your campaigns are following me around the internet and <laughs> even before I knew who was responsible for the production of these funny videos following me around, 
it caught my attention this particular campaign um and even Doing though i don't know if i i don't know if i was the target market for it but it definitely caught my attention uh, and we're going to get into how to use humor and how to use funny videos to catch people's attention and then to move them towards making a purchase but before we get into that for people that haven't heard of funnysalesvideos.com your company or yourself before can you give us a bit of a backstory of who you are and what you do Sure. Um, so I grew up in London. My dad was a famous fashion photographer. Um, height of his career, he was doing the Queen of England's personal portrait. So somewhat successful. Very cool. Um, I grew up and wanted to be a graphic designer. That's what I went to college for. And then I got some marketing jobs as I left college. And that was when the you know internet was just starting to support video. I'm um, fairly old so but i started going out to these video production training courses to try to learn it myself this was back before youtube and after long i had had a whole bunch of freelance clients that were asking me to do videos for them and so that's when i started procreative studios uh, and we were primarily focused on making tv commercials infomercials did extremely well but um, after about 15 years of doing that, nobody really watches TV the way that they did 15, 20 years ago. And so our results were just dropping and dropping and dropping. And clients were spending the same amount of money on production, if not more, and getting less results. And so they basically said, how do we get back to the results that we used to get? And even doing you know, traditional corporate sales videos just wasn't getting them, obviously wasn't getting the traffic that TV did. And so... We really started looking at agencies like the Harmon Brothers that, you know, top of the game doing these kinds of videos. And we decided to make a concerted effort to figure out how do we put together a team that can do funny? Because up until then, when a client would say, hey, we want to do f a funny video, we'd say, uh-uh, we, we don't do that. You've got to do it yeah. well or not at all. Um, and uh, to give you a kind of a contrast, before we did the funny sales videos uh, launch, our biggest video online was maybe 100,000 views. Our very first campaign when we launched funny sales videos and brought in some really good writers, between three videos, we did 7 million views. Bring that up to today, uh, the campaign you just referenced between two videos has over 70 million views so just orders of magnitude yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's awesome and you talk about the idea of being a production company and being asked to do funny in inverted commas there and pushing back on that and i feel that myself we have over the years been asked to do funny and i often steer clients away from funny yes probably because if it's not done right, as you yep. said, if it's not done right, it can very easily fail and fail really does catastrophically. Yeah. 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 So I'm interested to hear from you. What do you think is the power of funny when it comes to videos designed to sell? So I, I look at why are people watching where they're watching? So the majority of the ads that we are creating and we're not a digital marketing studio we're just the production so we work with agencies that take our videos and you know sprinkle their magic on it but i think about where is my video going to be seen 
And it's being seen primarily on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram. Well, why are people there in the first place? They're not there to be sold. They're there to be entertained. So instead of disrupting that, why don't you join that and be part of that entertainment? And the best way that I can think of to be entertained is to smile, laugh. And so that's why comedy is such a... You know, it, it makes it makes your interruption more, you know, friendly, safe. It also will, if you do it right, be disruptive visually enough that when people are scrolling through the feed, they'll see your ad and it'll look different enough that they'll at least be curious. So I think humor is just a great way to break down barriers when it comes to advertising and you know, at least get people to like you, if not buy from you. Yeah. And look, humor is such a, such a powerful emotion across the board. You know, like I think regardless of, in many cases, regardless of the demographic or, or the, the culture or country that you're, uh, that you're aiming to reach, humor can work. Obviously there are nuances there, right? There are nuances oh, to, yeah the right humor for, for the right demographics and, and so on. Um, but I think that it's such a powerful, a powerful form of, of communication when done right. Um, I want to encourage people listening to go back to episode 111 when I interviewed Benton Crane about getting a crap ton of eyeballs on your videos. We've, we talked there a little bit about the idea of a video going viral and the difference between viral videos today in 2021 or whenever it was that we recorded that episode. But I, I want to talk to you about this idea of viral video, right? Because I think viral videos, when they first started, were like, I mean, they were an accident, you know, like people, something funny happened, like a, a cat bit someone's, you know, ba or baby bit someone's finger, right? Charlie right. bit my finger, that right. viral video. Or, you know, a nerdy kid swinging a lightsaber around but went viral. That, that wasn't a marketing campaign. What do you think is viral video when it comes to marketing and, and viral video today? What's what's the, the difference there? So um, I host a podcast called How to Make a Video Go Viral. And I start every episode with a big disclaimer that fully admits the title is nothing but clickbait. <laughs> you, you can't get a video to go viral anymore. Now, yeah. videos may go viral, but you can't get them to go viral. And the only way that you can get them to look like they went viral is to pay to play. Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, they're all way more sophisticated than they were 10, 15 or however long years ago. Uh, when the original, you know, Dollar Shave Club, if you remember that one, I believe that that yeah. one was a truly organic viral video. But these days, Facebook immediately and YouTube will spot the difference between a video that's just a cat video and a video that is branded content or even, you know, cloaked as non-branded content, but has some agenda behind it. If you're going to use those platforms to share your video, expect to pay to play. So we don't tell people we will get your video to go organically viral. We tell them we'll make a video that outperforms any other ad that you're running so that you'll want to keep dumping more and more money into it 
because more and more money will return. And so it will look like it went viral because, you know, like I said, our one of our campaigns ha has close to 70 million views. Well, 90 plus percent of those views were purchased. Maybe 10% were additional shares and free, you know, virality that came because of the paid placement. But I kind of tell the analogy, and I've heard it from somebody else, um, it may have even been the Harmon Brothers, it's about creating, if you imagine a vending machine that's full of $100 bills and it's a limitless, doesn't ever run out, and it, and it costs $20 to use the machine and you get $100 every time, how many times, Ben, are you going to want to use that $20 bill? Yeah, every day, you, all day. You're going to spend as many of those as you can. So that's really what our videos are all about. They're not about going viral. They're about outperforming any other ad that you or your clients are creating so that they'll want to continue to spend money on ad, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Google, whatever the platform is. Thank you for that clarification. I think that's a really important thing that you just mentioned there because often uh, these viral campaigns, again, in inverted commas, are, are talked about by the number of millions of views that they get. And, and you started this show talking about some of your campaigns and the millions of views, but recognizing, and I think the way you put that around, you know, if you're creating a campaign that basically the company behind that want to continue to pump more and more money into getting that campaign seen, then it's going to give that appearance of virality, Yes, which I think is, is really important because your clients aren't stupid, right? They're not going to pump money into something that's not making them right tenfold or 20 fold out the back end in their business, you know, exactly. So I think that's a really important, important point. Can, can you share with us, Joseph, some of your, some of your campaigns? Are you able to uh, shout out specific clients sure. you've worked with and uh, maybe people have seen? Yeah. Well, I mean, the one that we've already mentioned a couple of times is True Earth Eco Strips. Fantastic company in Canada. They were actually the second fastest growing startup in Canada last year. Um, when we launched our campaign, our very first campaign with them, uh, within 24 hours, they were like, I, c I can't remember the number, but they shot up on Amazon to like the top 10 or so personal uh, care products. And uh, within four hours of launching that campaign, they paid off 100% of the cost of the production with the sales that they generated. Um, they have millions of dollars in sales, but more importantly, it's a fantastic mission-based movement that they've kind of started. It helps uh, reduce the plastic that we put in the landfills by, you know, changing the way that you buy laundry detergent. So anyway, that that's still probably my favorite campaign. In fact, um, as we got on the 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 call today, I was editing their next campaign. Um, that's a bigger campaign. Uh, I, I mean, we have clients that are very, very small companies. We have a mortgage client that does home loans. Um, we did a, a fun Back to the Future parody spoof where we rented a, Delor a literal life-size replica DeLorean time machine um, and showed this lady going back in time and, you know, wishing that she had have updated her house sooner because, you know, now she's we, we all think about how we fix up our homes before we sell them. Well, why not fix them up while you're living there? So that was kind of the concept there. Um, I think those guys are about to hit a million views, not nearly the, the scale, but as far as the leads that that's generated, they're doing extremely well. 
Um, we've done a, a campaign for a, a company called Peeler, who makes compostable phone cases. Who knew that was a thing? Again, trying to reduce <laughs> plastic waste. We've done campaigns for a Christian Netflix kind of streaming service. Uh, I mean, it's all over the board. People say to me, what kind of a company is a good fit for a funny video? And I say, any company who has a human as its target customer. Because we all, yeah, we all love to laugh, right? We all love to be told a story. And if you make it relevant and direct it to that specific audience, it doesn't matter whether it's a C-suite executive you know, buying a SaaS product or a teenager buying an acne cream. Yep, 100%. I love that, that anyone with a human is their customer. Look, Joseph, um, I, I want to pick your brain a bit about some of the specifics because my illusion is that just being funny is not enough to sell, right? Would you would I be right in that? Absolutely. So can you tell me what, what's the secret between balancing humour and the right messaging to move someone to take the action that you want them to take? It's probably a big question, but let's see where we go with this. Yeah, so I would, ref I would uh, make the analogy of building a house. Marketing is the foundation. Key marketing messaging, key points that you need to communicate to make a sale. That's the first thing. And, and I have a free ebook that your people can download at funnysalesvideos.com that goes through all of the steps, all eight, eight steps that I go through with every project. Um, but the, the first is the research, learning about who is your customer, what are their pain points? What are the reasons why they might be interested in buying your product? Or why is the competitor better? And so we can attack, you know, reasons why we, our new service is better. Um, but all of the key marketing message is your foundation. Then the story is the walls. It's not until you put the roof on that you bring the humor in. If you start out thinking, I'm going to make a funny video, you'll fail. You have to start out, I'm going to make a sales video that's going to convert people with benefits and I'm going to make it entertaining to watch. So we always start, we go through three phases of scripting. Number one is the marketing copy points. Number two is the story that we're going to tell. So we create a, a character for the video and then we find a problem that that character is going to experience. We make it as entertaining as we can, but still make it relevant. And then we bring in the, our client's products or solutions as the hero that saves the day and show why the character's life is better once they have that product or service. And so we're taking them on a journey. So we have multiple script writers. We have the marketing script writers, at least two very creative storytelling script writers. And then we bring in at least four or five professional, and that's the key, professional comedians, whether that's stand-up comics, whether that's comedy writers, um, people that have done this for years and are very, very good at it. You can't try to do that yourself unless you have experience. And the key is to throw out as much crap and see what sticks. So we will go through, you know, maybe 50 ideas before we figure out, okay, who is our character and what's their problem? And the wackier, the crazier, the, the more stupid, the better. Because sometimes the worst ideas will trigger someone else in the group 
to come up with a better idea. So don't judge, don't criticize, just throw out as many ideas as you can. Then you can judge them once they're out and whittle them down to the best. Same with jokes. I have four or five comedians that will take the script because comedians aren't very good at coming up with stories, but they're very good at taking a story and making it funny. So yes. all along the process, I'm using multiple brains, multiple people, all that are specialized in what they do. That's the difference between me now having the confidence to say, yeah, mate, I'll do a funny video for you because I have this power team behind me that will write great content. And, you know, five years ago when if I tried to do it funny, it would be me and, you know, a couple people here that aren't trained at doing that. And it would be a disaster. Yeah, thank you for that. It sounds like a highly collaborative process in script writing and pre-production. Yes. I'm interested where the client fits within this collaboration. Do you allow them to be part of this conversation and, and in what way? Yeah, so that's really been an interesting discovery because it used to be for 15 years, you know, I would have clients that just wanted to be in the details of everything. And it drove me crazy. Your listeners can probably all relate to this, you know, the, the nitpicky client. And since we've switched to this, I would have thought it would be even worse. I've yet to have a client that wanted to pick apart a script. Obviously we give them chances at certain milestones to approve and green light to the next stage. So again, back to writing the framework for the marketing copy. Okay, here it is. Is there anything we've missed? And a lot of the times I'll tell my clients, I'm pretty bold these days. I don't care what you think. I care what your customers think. So we will read through hundreds of reviews and we'll come back to them with proof that says, you might think that your widget sells because it's blue, but guess what? The data says it's because it's light or, you know, some other feature. And I'll, you know, we'll, in a friendly way, we'll go at it and say, here's what the data says. And the same thing in the story and even in the jokes, we will test the jokes on people that are in the, what we call the customer avatar, right? The person that we see as being the best customer that's going to buy this product or service. And frankly, because of the track record that we have of how many success cases, I can just say to the client, I'm happy to do whatever you want to do, but this is what A, the data and B, our experience doing this and doing it well suggests. If you want to steer away from that, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you right up front that I don't think it's a good idea, but Ultimately, you're writing the check and you have to live with the video once it's finished. And so far, pretty much every client has kind of let us guide the ship. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, you mentioned there audience testing or, or split testing or, or yeah. uh, testing the jokes, I guess. And so I'm, I'm interested in that process. Is that prior to production or are you filming multiple versions of things and testing and testing those versions of production, or are you just testing the jokes as a, in the script form? Yes, yes, and yes. All of, <laughs> we the, all of the above. <laughs> we test everything. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, what's the client's budget? Um, back in the day, when we were doing infomercials, 
I mean, our first infomercial that we produced had something like a $2 million budget, just crazy money. And, and we went out and we hired a professional focus group company and we would sit behind a one-way mirror as 20 people watched our infomercials and, you know, had a dial and would tell us when they liked it, when they didn't like it. And so, you know, you, you can spend all kinds of money on focus groups, but really what we typically do is we'll tell our clients, we want you to give us a, a, an email of 10 customers that fit your customer demographic. So that could be existing customers. It could be, you know, friends and family that fit that age range and the interest level or whatever, and let us bounce ideas off of them. Or we'll go and do a survey monkey, or sometimes we've even gone and stood on street corners and stopped people and tested things on. I mean, the, the UPS man will come here and he won't leave until I tested a joke or shown him a video or clients will come to the studio and, you know, they love being a part of, let, let me give you an inside sneak peek at the next big viral quote unquote style sales video. And so just taking the advantage of quizzing everyone that you can. Um, but yes, at every stage you want to be testing. And yes, we film and edit multiple versions of the video. In fact, one of the things that we currently do, and again, it's budget dependent, right? Um, is we'll say to a client, let us shoot and edit three different opening hooks to your video. The opening hook is the most important part. The first five to 10 seconds, if you can't grab their attention, get them to stop scrolling, you've lost them. Doesn't matter what the next two or three minutes have. If they haven't stopped and turned the sound on, because most people watch these videos on their phone with the sound off. So the goal is to stop the scroll and get them to turn the sound on. So we'll come up with five, sorry, three totally different openings to the same video. So we'll then test them to see which one gets the click through, better click through rate, the better watch through rate, and then ultimately the better conversion. Before we dump or before they dump a ton of money advertising it, we'll take a little bit of money and put it on each one of them so that with confidence we can say, you're best off running with this version. And we do the same thing with the offer. We'll maybe do three different offers. Then we edit a long version for Facebook and a short version for Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat because they have time limits on, on their videos. So yes, all of the above. Plus you want to do a widescreen for desktop and YouTube and then a square version in uh, for Facebook and Instagram. So when you're filming, you've got to have your guides up on your monitor so that the edges don't have any critical, you know, action going on because those are going to get cropped off in the edit for the square versions yeah awesome super good many of your videos and i might even say all of your videos you can correct me there um seem to feature a, a very strong main character that is yes. the primary deliverer of the humor in a lot of cases um and the script i guess uh, how important is that character to the success of these types of videos and what's your process for for casting, because I think if you don't do that right, it could make or break. Am Absolutely. I right Absolutely. A hundred percent. Now I'm, uh, uh, you know, we're talking, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I always used to tell people it's all about production. It's all about, you know, getting the best cameras and the lighting and the sound, right? That's all a load of rubbish. It's all about casting. You can pull out your iPhone 
and have the best actor and I'll take a crappy actor and my, you know, state of the art production studio, you're always going to make a better video than I am because the actor cannot be edited out, right? You can't fix a bad performance. You can improve it yeah. with ed with good editing, but 90% of your work, 80% of the work, whatever is casting. So we audition. In fact, I was just this just today, I'm auditioning for our next video. I'm going through, I probably went through 30, 30 auditions this morning, looking for the right one. Now, the Harmon brothers in their training have said that sometimes they get into the 100 plus auditions. Um, I don't think we've ever gone that high. But yes, you've got to audition and it doesn't cost you anything, right? Actors will audition for free. You only pay them when you select them. So the other great thing about auditioning a lot of actors is uh, you can kind of steal ideas from some of them. All of them will bring the different. Delivery. Yeah, exactly. They'll they'll add lib a line here or they'll throw a certain wink or a nod there. And even if you don't cast them, you know, you can take inspiration from what they, how they interpret that character. But you're absolutely on the money. It's it's all about casting. We call it the brand hero. Right. So that character becomes the brand hero because they are an embodiment of what your customer wants to be once the solution is delivered. So it's that journey from problem to solution to a better life. I love that distinction you made there that the, the hero character or the main character in these videos is representative of the audience, the ideal customer for the product or the service, right? Yes. Not the brand, right? Is that, that what you're saying there? They're not right. representing yes. the brand or the business. They're instead representing who the ideal customer wants to be. Right. Yeah, it's back to yeah. people don't really, I mean, as much as the marketing geeks want you to believe it, and maybe on some level it's true, people don't connect with brands. They connect with people. The mm. first thing that you saw when you were born into this world is the eyes of your mother. Ever since then, we've been establishing relationships with humans, and we've tested crazy thumbnails and opening hooks and overwhelmingly the best performing ones is when there's a human being looking you in the face, maybe doing something crazy, but you connect with people. And uh, yeah, it, that that's absolutely shown true in pretty much all of our videos. Now, you got to know the rules to break them. Who would have thought a pooping unicorn would be the Harmon Brothers best selling video? <laughs> right? I was just thinking that. I mean, yes, there's a prince in that video, and I guess that established a connection, but he's still a mythical character. And so you've got to know that sometimes you can go off the reservation if you really understand, you know, all of the rules and, and still keep to the basics. Um, but we've just found it's it's so much safer to try to target that customer avatar as closely as possible with our brand uh, characters, but maybe someday we'll do a pooping unicorn. Who knows? Maybe not uh, a unicorn. Well, look, the pooping unicorn was still 
representative of of the customer, right? Right, so the problem, yeah. He was able to relieve himself of the problem by using yes. the product. So, um, But we won't go down that, that path <laughs> too far. Um, look, yeah, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. My other question there is a lot of uh, most of your, and again, I'm probably going to say all of your um, your campaigns are highly produced, beautifully produced, um, very you. high production value. Um, and same with Harmon Brothers, that's their same sort of approach of high production value. Do you think there's a there's a, a, a role for this approach in with smaller budgets or do you need the budget to be able to do the research, do the script writing, do the casting, all of those things we've talked about as being critical to success? Is there a way to do this in, in a guerrilla style or at a, at a much lower budget, do you believe? Yeah, I do. And I believe that version one is better than version none. As long yeah. as it's done, certain parts of it are done right. So if I was to take the whole eight step process, obviously I want every single one of those eight ticked, tick the box as as well as I can and as high, you know, as highly professionally done as I can. That's why I want specialists on every single step of the process. But I mean, we let me just put it out there. We are no Harmon Brothers um, on many levels. Um, we really try to do a scrappy job and not look like we did a scrappy job. So, you know, a lot of our clients are pretty amazed when they get on the phone or on a Zoom call with me and we talk about pricing. We really try to be very aggressive in our pricing, but still any given project that we do, we're taking between three, four, five, maybe six months to produce. Um, and, you know, I've already outlined that we are working with maybe 20 people on each project. So obviously that's not going to be, you know, a couple thousand dollars, um, but it's not a million dollars, nowhere near it. Having said all of that, if there's somebody watching that's, you know, it's a very small business that wants to go out and try this themselves, make sure you get the right writers, make sure you get the right actor. And I really think you could probably do the rest yourself and still get a much better result than doing a boring standard video. So mm. I, I do definitely think that there is the room for that, but I also think, you know, scrappy videos is great to fill in between these hero videos. So um, Ryan over at True Earth, he wants us to do one of these videos like every other month for him. We're trying to keep up right now. But in between, you know, he has lots of user-generated content videos and much lower production videos. I don't think every video you do has to be, you know, as grand and as as polished as these kinds of videos that, that we're kicking out and that, you know, other bigger companies do better than, than us. Let's explore that a little bit further because like within uh, within a marketing funnel approach, obviously these style of videos are designed to attract awareness of the brand, right? So top of funnel, you would say, yep. um, in a marketing sense. It, and for a company that's investing in funny and humor and funny sales videos at the top of the funnel, obviously if that type of video does its job of driving direct response sales, then it becomes the funnel, right? Um, that yes. video does the job of the, the entire funnel. But for a, an organization, when they're looking at their wider video strategy, would you say that 
there's roles for other videos within their business as well, other types of videos that maybe take a more serious approach to yes. how to use their product or what their product does. Can you talk to that for a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's over the 15 years before we really focused on exclusively, exclusively doing funny, you know, we would do tons of video content, customer testimonial videos are always great. Um, you know, product demonstration videos, messages from the CEO, FAQ videos. Um, you know, there's all kinds of videos and different levels of production. So some of the videos, uh, we, we would bring in our best crew. Some videos had a very small budget and we would just, you know, advise them on how to do it themselves. I think there's, there's a space for all of that. Um, we also do, you know, coming back to your idea of the funnel, our hero video, as the Harmon brothers refer to it, and we've kind of adopted that, which is the main, you know, three, four minute long, fully produced video. We also love where the client has the budget to say, while we've got all of the actors on set and the location and the crew, let's just bang out six very, very short, not funny, but retargeting videos using the same brand character, right? So right, some, yeah. something as simple as, um, hey, I saw that you watched our video. Did you know Mother's Day is coming up? Here's a 25% coupon. Get your mum the gift that she's always dreamed of. Or, you know, hey, summer is heating up. It'd be great to wear these shades or whatever it is. You can create almost without thinking. You can come up with the script. It doesn't cost almost anything extra as far as the crew is already there you might as well just bang out a few extras so think about you know if 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 you guys out there are doing these kinds of videos try to make it more than just one video create a whole bunch of content that you can then drip out along that sales funnel when you retarget people yeah i think that's super smart and also thinking about the sales process as well i would i would suggest of like how can you bring some of that same story and character into the landing page, the, the checkout process, the yes. uh, re-engagement process for once someone's bought your product, how are you going to get them to repurchase again when it's time to buy again? Can you continue to use that same storyline and, and character? I think there's opportunities to do that very simply. Yeah, some of our clients will take, and again, we don't get involved with after the click, I call it, right? So we're, we're responsible to create the video that's gonna generate all that traffic and then pass it over to a sales page. And then, you know, our clients or our clients' agencies will handle the rest. But a lot of the time we'll work with these agencies and, you know, we'll get photography on set so that their web pages are all full of branded content that makes it feel like I'm still in the video, even though I'm not. So, you yeah. know, on the banner of their squeeze page, there's a product of our brand character holding the product and smiling. And, you know, here's three or four images of them using the product. And so you don't feel like, oh, I've just left that world and now I'm in a totally different world and this brand, other than their logo, this website doesn't look anything like the video. The more you can bring it all together and create a seamless experience, the less holes in your funnel you're going to have where customers drop out or bounce. Yeah, I think that's so important, controlling that customer, that customer journey all the way through the process. Just in, in closing here, Joseph, there's been a lot of value that you've shared here. Thank you very much for that. Um, I just want to ask you about the, 
the long-term view on these types of funny sales videos. Obviously, I think, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, of course, but um, I think that they, a lot of the success of these videos have to do with the platforms that they are able to be distributed on, Facebook being one of those, YouTube as well. Do you feel that they're, it could get to a saturation point where they don't have the same sort of cut through or, or that it, this type of approach doesn't work? Or do you think that th this kind of approach is going to work for the, as long as you can see? What are your thoughts on that? So I was listening to a podcast with Ryan Dice of Digital Marketer a little while ago, and his whole philosophy is marketing ruins everything because <laughs> yeah. somebody does something and it works. So lots of other people see it. I mean, we, we're That's doing kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. We're doing the exact same thing, right? We've seen what the Harmon brothers did and now we're trying to do the same kind of thing. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other people that maybe listening to this or will go out and do the same kind of thing. I always come back to story is king. Think about Pixar. One of my great, um, inspirations ever since I was uh, a teenager and saw Toy Story I always wanted to get into you know the storytelling world and now here I am in a different environment but basically doing exactly that but uh, in in the book Creativity Inc Ed Catmull the co-founder of Pixar talks about this talks about you know can you imagine sitting down Monday morning after you've had this box office smash weekend with your latest movie and you sit down and there's a blank page. You've got to come up with the next one. Everyone's got to be bigger and better and expectations are higher. And, you know, you've got, you've got all these awards that you've got to, you know, sit in the shadow of. But ultimately, if you can create an engine that will continue to kick out amazing stories and relevant stories, um, I think they have proven that you can be relevant and you can keep people engaged if you start with a great story. And, and I think storytelling is the oldest, one of the oldest mediums that we have, right? Ever since, I don't know how, 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 how where you define where storytelling started, but nobody gets tired of a good story. Movies have been, you know, the, the epitome of that. Everyone will evolve the way that they consume those stories. And that certainly has is, is changed and been disrupted a few dozen times. Um, but the story itself, people are still seeking it. People are still um, captivated by it. And I think that as long as you have really good stories to tell, really great ideas, yeah, there'll always be people that do it badly and kind of, you know, make people think, oh no, not another one of these silly videos. But if you stay, if you stay informed of great content and you're constantly, you know, being aware of what other people are doing, I think story will never die. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that. I think it's that's the power behind a successful funny sales video is the story, as you've mentioned, not just the humor. Yes. And it's behind just good communication in general, whether it be funny or not. So I, I, I agree that it is that aspect is going nowhere either way. So thank you for that. 
I just want to um, give you an opportunity to shout out how people can find out more about you and follow what you've got going on. I do encourage people to go to funnysalesvideos.com and download your free ebook, which has got a lot of value in there as well. And check out some of the campaigns on that page to get a sense of what we've been talking about here today um, that Joseph and his company have pulled together. And of course, the How to Make a Video Go Viral podcast, as you mentioned, is a great place to connect with Joseph. Is there any other way that people can find out more about you? Uh, the, I mean, you pretty much just covered my bases. Um, if you've liked anything that you've heard here, we go way deeper into detail in, in our podcast, How to Make a Video Go Viral. We also interview, um, in fact, all of the case studies that we've talked about today with maybe one or two exceptions. We have interviews with the marketing directors or the owners of those companies talking about, you know, how how did you actually do this? What were the results? Um, you know, talking through the creative process. Um, and then I have a co-host who runs a digital marketing agency that talks about it from that end. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. The only other way that you maybe want to reach out is on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Uh, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, Joseph Wilkins, founder of Funny Sales Videos. Um, just be sure to make a little comment when you connect with me or else I, they just all look like spam to me. <laughs> yeah, tell me, yeah. tell me you heard me on the, on this podcast. Make sure to do that guys. And all the links uh, to Joseph and everything that we talked about there will be at the podcast show notes page for this episode at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 197. Joseph, this has been really fascinating, interesting to dive into with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Ben. It's been fun. All right. Thanks again to Joseph for joining us for episode 197 of the podcast. What did you guys think? Did that inspire you to think about pushing maybe some boundaries in your business or within your video production company and trying out some humor in your sales videos as well? I know it did for me. So I encourage you to go and check out some of Joseph's work and all the links that we talked about in this episode, which you'll find at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 197. And while you're there, why not go to engagevideomarketing.com slash join 200. That's where you can click that record button and join me with a short audio message on the Engage Video Marketing Podcast for episode 200, which is coming up really, really soon. So don't delay. Make sure you jump on over to engagevideomarketing.com slash join 200. I'd love to feature you as part of the 200th episode celebration. So that's it from me until next week, where I'll be back with another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, I appreciate any rating and a review that you can leave on your podcast player of choice. It seriously is valuable to me. So thank you for that. And I'll be back with you next week with another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Bye for now.